Hey guys, how's it going? It is my mom and dad's favorite son, Angel Mendoza, coming to you guys with yet another episode of the Odoclad Podcast. Today I'm talking once again with Ahada Rain and Osariyamu, and this time we're talking about some of the worst experiences we've ever had with clients. Hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for listening. But getting right into it, uh, I have no real set particular plan for today. Uh, I, I definitely want to freestyle and, and kind of, again, build on the chemistry that we, we had on, uh, on our first episode. And uh, I just kind of want to start out with, uh, what were your thoughts on the on the first episode? Like, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you guys had the opportunity to listen to it uh, at all. Uh, I listened to it, you know, multiple times. I mean, that's kind of my job. But uh, I just listened to it over and over again. I even put it on my iPhone. I was listening it, uh, listening to it on my way to uh, lunch and, you know, all the way back and all the other things I had to do during the week. Um, so that, that was basically on repeat for me uh, the entire time. Uh, but uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on um, on the first episode, whether you listened to it or, you know, just based off memory? Yeah, do you, do you, do you yeah, yeah sure. So, I mean, I actually, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Lazar. So I actually, uh, I thought it was a good, um, you know, intro, kind of like set the stage, give a good overview on what Oda Cloud's about and what kind of what we're doing here. And I mean, the interesting thing, the thing about this is, is that we're not, you know, we're, we're also changing and adapting as we go, right? We're not, you know, right, right now, this is what Oda Cloud is, is that this is what we're focusing on. You know, a year from now, our focus is, we know for a fact, is going to shift, it's going to change. Uh, probably like dive dive deeper, uh, but I think it's a good. Um, I think it was a good discussion for us to kind of lay out exactly where we are today. Well, what are some of the principles and and some of the history behind uh, how we got to where we are uh, at this point, and uh, kind of set the stage for for next steps as we continue to have these sessions. Ozar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I agree. I think that first one was kind of, uh, say, documentary on, you know, so no, this is where we are, you know, this is where we are at today, this is what we've done in the past, but definitely was good to just have that open discussion about what we're trying to do. I mean, the vision we have right now, it would be funny to compare that, you know, in a year from now, <laughs> we have the same podcast and you ask us the same question, you know, what's Odiclaw to you, right? Something like that and see how our vision or what, and our, our responses change for our, with regards to that, so that was uh, that was great, and I, I also kind of just I, I think I watched uh, I listened to I think m- most of it. I didn't get all the way to the end, but uh, yeah, I mean I think I think it was a nice discussion. I think having a video attached to it probably nicer because I'm not really a po- I'm not really a podcast podcast guy. I tend to just you know watch something like you know half an hour then move on to the next thing. I don't really you know I'm not able to focus on something while I'm listening to something else, right? So uh, I would have to just be there and just listen. So I think that's good. But I think for me, there was some technical things that the sound from my side was echoing. I don't know if you had that issue. I don't know if you, that was something that you No, no, yeah. Uh, Honestly, I I didn't consider it much of an issue, so to speak. I thought you just had really great acoustics in your room. So that's why, yeah. uh, So that's that's exactly what we heard. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I I appreciate you moving to the sound box that that bespoke. I said, yeah, poor, I mean, I was like, oh, you had to figure out a way to fix the accordion and stuff. So I moved to this small little <laughs> cabin, hopefully uh, that helps. But- no, it was the funniest thing, because when I was doing the editing, I, I like to add a little bit of ambiance. That way, you know, it sounds a bit clearer for everyone. So I was doing the, uh, thankfully, you know, the reason why I like to record on Zoom as well as GarageBand in the background is because, um, at least for Zoom, you're able to record, you know, everyone's audio separately. So uh, I was doing my audio, and I was doing Ahad's audio, and I was like, okay, this is perfect. Then I came to your audio, then I was like, wait, let me turn the ambiance down. And it just kept echoing. And I was like, oh, no, I think that was uh, exactly what we were hearing during the podcast, too. Like, just the, the really great acoustics in the background. Um, even, like, you hear at one point where you can kind of hear, um, like, some kind of bell. Yeah. Um, I think that was coming from the mall. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, you can hear it, like, bouncing off or, uh, you know, uh, vibrating off the glass and everything like that. It's so, funny um, because... No, it was really good. Yeah, music. all the recordings we've done, Angelo, you and I, even on the Audi Cloud TV, there's always some issue with the sound on my side. The first one we did, <laughs> I had, like, a glass of water on my hand. I don't remember that. Mm-hmm. And there was, like, ice cubes in the water. And I kept drinking water. And for some reason, the mic yeah. just kept picking up, like, that, all that little noise. And that there was one time also there was some music in the mall. So you actually mm-hmm. was hearing the music quite a lot when I was speaking. And each time I'm always like kind of picking on that because, you know, I mean, I'm not the perfect, you know, public speaker. So I'm always kind of judging myself too much. And I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I could just, you know, or sometimes there's a mouse on my face on those videos, like the, like the little mouse, like <laughs> ran on my nose and all that. 
so yeah, definitely, I think as we go through this, better, better equipment, better acoustics, just let us know what to struggle with uh, once you start editing. And if we can fix that, you know, as we record, I think the better. So, so yeah, you let me know if this cabin works out well, better for the sound. Let me tell you right now, uh, just right off the bat, it sounds way better. Okay. Like I'm not gonna have to do any uh, acoustic uh, kind of editing like that. So no, I, I'm really really okay. happy. So to go back to the podcast, the question you ask actually on that uh, the subject you suggested, I actually thought it was a great one. So what because like <laughs> client stories, right? Client stories, good clients, bad clients. Gonna just give us a good, mm -hmm. give the opportunity for consultants like ourselves to talk about our clients' experience. It's almost like for me, like a therapy, you know, if you ask me that question, honestly, I'm like, this is going to be a, a, a therapeutic session because no one asks you that question. I mean, when I go back home and tell my wife about all my stories, she's like, she doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> so when you ask the question, I think for the first 10 minutes, I was thinking about all these crazy stories that no one have ever had interest to hear from a network, you know, my friend or whatever. I'm like, Angelo is putting himself into some serious trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love it. That, that's exactly what I want. You know, um, when when I was doing all the sports podcasts, uh, what I really loved is this idea of, uh, of hot takes. It, it, you know, I love the idea of uh, stirring the pot. And uh, that, that's always been part of my personality. I try to hide it a little bit more when it comes to professional setting. But for podcasts, you know, it's all good and fun. Um, so I just decided to push that out there and see what you guys thought. Um, and I think talking about clients is very important. I think not just from a standpoint of, you know, everyone kind of relating to it, but also just a good, uh, you know, tall tale, you know, yeah. kind of like a parable. Do not no. do this. Do not set yourself up for this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Ahad, I definitely want to uh, pose this question to you first. I mean, uh, what are some stories uh, that you've had with disastrous clients and how did you go about solving those kinds of issues? Um, yeah, I mean, that's definitely, definitely an, uh, an interesting one. Um, so I think, um, honestly, like one thing that I learned over time is a lot of issues tend to be uh, misalignment of expectations, right? A lot of the time, that's usually what it is. So we try really hard to try and set the right expectations. But then again, you do have some clients that, um, that believe that, you know, you know, it's, it's like when you go into, um, you get a service or something like that done and you expect that you're going to receive all of these things in that service. You know, a lot of the times we don't necessarily read all the fine print and everything else. You know, sometimes we're just like, okay, you know, we're, we're going to get this implementation or we're, we're going to get this level of work done. Boom. Let's sign this contract and get, get to work. So I found that, you know, uh, I think the craziest story that I had was um, there was essentially, um, you know, we were doing an implementation. Uh, I was with a company at the time. And we had another, um, a second party doing the integration work, right? And, um, and that was because they did not, you know, our rates were a little bit higher. They didn't want us to do the integration work, even though we could have done it in-house. So they kind of went with a, another firm to do it. And that firm was outsourced in India, right? So different time zone, different, uh, uh, difficult to kind of set meetings with and whatnot. And it turned out that a lot of the, you know, it was, it became very difficult for us to coordinate with them, uh, right? And say, okay, this is the data that you, that you all are sending over into NetSuite from your, from your, um, uh, you know, from your other system here. And we're receiving it incorrectly. So we're identifying these issues and we submit those issues over to, the, to, to these, these folks. And they get back to us like another 24 hours later saying, okay, let's schedule a meeting. And that meeting happens now another day later, right? So it's just like, everything's falling behind. And, and we had a very, very tight timeline. I think on this project in particular, um, you know, it was a small project. So we thought, you know, we could get it up and running, but you know, the client, the, the, the problem, the, one of the problems is, um, and you know, NetSuite doesn't really <laughs> necessarily help us with this either, because as soon as you sign the NetSuite contract, you start getting billed for the licenses, right? So everyone wants to get live as soon as possible. And uh, this client, you know, I get, their, I get their frustration. I get that they want to be up and running on the system. Nonetheless, I mean, I think what happened in that, in that situation kind of became a nightmare for me because uh, myself and a close colleague of mine were working, on this, were working with this client day in and day out, non-billable hours, like 20, uh, 15 to 20 hours a week. You know, I was managing like 12, 13 projects, but this project I was still spending... 10 to 12 hours a week in meetings, uh, trying to get these guys over the line, you know, just out of good faith. I mean, we were exhausted out of all our, all of our hours in the SOW, we committed. So we wanted to get them up and running and, 
uh, get them over the line, but issues kept coming up. And, and part of it was because, you know, there was a little bit of a, um, uh, a training and adoption issue. There was a little bit of turnover on the client side. And then there was this third party. So there were, there were multiple factors that were involved in it. And it was just really difficult to get everyone on the same page and, and, and get over the hump. So unfortunately, you know, in this, in this event, this, you know, it went out for months that we tried to help them, tried to stabilize. I think we got about 90%, 95% of the way there. But eventually it came a time where, you know, we just kind of had to part ways because um, there was, you know, there were still requests that were coming up. And majority of it, the root cause ended up being this integration with this third party. It wasn't really much, much on our end, you know, in our court that we could do any further. So we just kind of kept getting uh, pulled back into the situation and kind of had to part ways, um, you know, and they, uh, you know, I think they ended up uh, uh, going with NetSuite ACS or something like that, you know, to continue getting their support. Uh, but that, that, uh, I won't lie to you was during that time was a very, very tough time. We were spending myself and this consultant were, you know, uh, we're spending hours and hours trying to, um, figure this thing out. And I, I'm not going to say any names, but that consultant is now part of the OD cloud community too. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's an amazing story, bro. Like I, I, I love hearing that. And, uh, I mean, I, I think it's important to note that, you know, sometimes you just got to cut your losses and, and go your separate ways. Cause, you uh, I mean, yeah, the, there's nothing that you can do at that point. Um, Osar, what, what about you? Any, any good client stories? Yeah, I, I was thinking about this yesterday and I was going to kind of get to the top three, but there's only one that come out in my mind. I think that's what, that will always be my, my mind my entire life. So this was prior, this was prior net NetSuite, right? So I was still working at the big four and uh, the story started on Friday night. So I was, it was winter in Montreal, ready to go on the weekend. The partner of the firm called me and said, Osa, we have this opportunity for you. Super interesting. Oh, it's a big, big client. I said, okay, cool. Uh, so I guess I'll see you on Monday. I'll talk about it. He said, uh, no, technically, <laughs> you need to be on site on Monday morning. I said, okay, I guess the client is in Montreal somewhere. Uh, no. Is it Toronto? Uh, not really. You have to take a car, basically rent a car or during the weekend and drive up north Charlevoix. It's kind of north of Quebec in the ice and snow over there drive up there on Monday morning to be on site at 9 a.m. I said, what? <laughs> All right. So, you know, in that, you know, in, in that past life, you can't really debate that, <laughs> you know, back then working for the big four, your partner called you on Friday night. He's like, you know, that's what you got to do on, on Sunday. That's your Sunday, right? Get in the car, get your trip ready. So I drive up there to the client, you know, got on site. It was a paper mill factory. So it was a factory area. So imagine like me driving through the woods to get there. Got there and it's okay. Thanks for for coming over. We have this big SAP project that went south. We need some help. So I started working that day, work all day. I couldn't get access to the system for some reason. There were because they had like some issues, whatever. So just kind of bad, bad coordination within the consulting firm that gets someone there and the client not having their IT people aware of him coming, right? <laughs> so I got there, I couldn't really get proper access. I wasn't able to get access at 6 p.m. that night. And the work I needed to do needed to be done before the next the next shift and I worked that day till like 6 a.m. in the factory. Mm -hmm. So the the gig that was sold to the, com the consulting company, like my company, was basically someone coming in and helping out of office hours, which technically means after six o'clock, which requires basically six, seven hours of work like during that time. So which means I was mm -hmm. starting to work at 6 p.m. and was working till 6 a.m. the next morning, like night shift. Away. I didn't know about that. <laughs> it's like, oops, we forgot to tell you, Osar. You know, not only are you going to not sleep on Sunday, you got to go on site on Monday morning and work through this, like the entire 6 a.m. that day, go to the hotel and sleep and come back the next day, 6 a.m., 6 p.m., work throughout the night and do that again. I did that for a month and a half. I didn't know that that was going to be a night shift kind of gig, right? So, and uh, I mean, those kind of things, like the... The client work was great in the sense that the team that was working at night were all like truck lift drivers. They've, done, they've worked in paper mill factories for, for generations. That's their passion. So the, the work was fun. But just the logistics of me working at night, 12-hour shift, and not really, not really having been told about that, <laughs> that made it the worst, the worst experience. Because again, weekends I was stuck up there. It was just now that if you ask me what was the worst project, I'm maybe the best at the same time because of the people I met there during that night shift, uh, all kind of from that region and the stories I've heard from those people. It's the worst in terms of working with the consulting company and the client leadership team, 
right? Mm. Worst possible experience. And the best of working with people that just, you know, drive, drive all this paper mill, all this, um, like the, this paper rolls, right? That New York Times used for printing paper, uh, newspapers and stuff. The best people, you know, down to earth. But yeah, that was really one of the worst situations to be in as a consultant, working night shift and yeah. So that's the, that's the only one that came to mind, but I still, I still kind of feel like I'm a bit traumatized by that experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned a top three, right? A top three. So I definitely want to hear about those other two stories. Yeah, I think the other two probably similar to I had, I think, you know, like that's mm. one thing that, you know, sometimes you as a consultant, you come in, you know, I think that's one thing we try to fix as well with this audio cloud thing, right? We try to involve people as early as possible in the discussion. Like if I'm going to be hiring a consultant for this gig, get him, get him in early because he can tell you firsthand, is this an easy, is it complex, is this an average level uh, kind of deal? And you can only hear that if you have the expert in the room, right? And most of the time, you know, going back in my past, you know, I get pulled into a project once it's signed, once my resume has been submitted, and the first meeting, I'm like, dude, like I've never done this before. <laughs> like it feels like if you have told me like just before you met the client or submit my resume, I would have give you a better name, which is my colleague working next to me, would have been a better fit for this job. And also like you guys said, you can do this with this time in this time. The last time I did this, it took like three times the effort compared to what you guys have here on paper. So I think it's very similar to what I had just described. You know, like the expectations are or the client took shortcuts, right? They say, hey, we're gonna get this done by, you know, in India versus getting some people that's really local because most of the time it's not just, it. India has really good experts. It's not like expertise issue. It's really communication and time time difference. And, and that would do it, right? <laughs> you book a meeting that has to happen next day and, you know, people work up at 6 a.m. to get in on a meeting. Some people are, um, are up late. So just communication and time difference does kill most of the project when you have that kind of, you know, outsource model. So yeah, taking a little bit of, you know, saving some money, it's not always the best if you want to you know, do some of these jobs, paying the consultants, get them local, make sure the communication is right and you can get the job done faster and better. So I think some com some companies learned that the hard way, but I'd say those two other projects were like this, just taking shortcuts, trying to find ways to save, some, save on some money through outsource model that doesn't really work. And you end up, you know, burning 60 hours a week and the client is not happy, but you're working like crazy. <laughs> so yeah, very similar to Ahad for sure. Yeah. Ahad, I also want to invite you uh, not to put yourself on mute whenever uh, anyone else is talking. I, I do want to hear you react. That's all. Uh, I do want to hear your comments and, and all that. So yeah, I mean, feel free to, because uh, I don't hear any feedback from your end or anything like that or anything in the background. So uh, awesome. Yeah, you're That's talking. what I was afraid of. Yeah, you're good. So yeah, maybe had I had right. you had. I mean, I don't I don't know if the night shift stuff is a common practice in consulting, but definitely I've I've been. I mean, I've, I've told this story a few times, many times to my wife, but she didn't care. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but definitely trying to see like what are the uh, how do you say that in English all nighters uh, type of projects like you basically just stay up all night working and you have to be on meetings and 9, 9 a.m. in the morning. Do you have? Do you yeah, I mean, so see, this is the challenging thing, right? In the consulting world, um, my life was one of two things. One was, okay, um, you know, you're working for a small consultancy that's still, you know, up and coming. And so realistically, you're billing 20 hours a week, the other 20 hours, you're not really working, which is not the best thing, because, you know, you're, you're, you're you want to work at least a 40 hour week, right? You don't just want to work 20 hours a week and just get a, a flat salary or whatever it may be, because you're going to, you're, you know, you kind of want to expand your skill set and work on complex engagements, right? Like I would get bored if I'm just working three or four hours here and there every day. So, um, it's, you know, some opportunities weren't challenging enough. On the other hand, the, the, when they were, when, when I was working with a good consultancy, they were, you know, literally I was in meetings all day. Like I had, um, you know, um, I was kind of stressed out because every morning I would have like, I would have at least three or four daily standups, like with different clients and or either internal meetings or external meetings where even finding time to book, you know, um, meetings that just came up like ad hoc was just so difficult because my, my calendar was like entirely blocked. So I used to look forward to, and in my case, because I did have a lot of, uh, clients in, in the Bay Area and stuff. So even, you know, working on the East coast, around 7 p.m. things started to die down and that, that's what I used to look forward to so I could spend a couple of hours just getting actual work done you know catching up on emails 
So I think, you know, and I can't remember the last time I saw my email inbox at like zero, zero. <laughs> because it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, 50, 60, 70 every day is like going up and up. And I'm like, okay, these are the emails that are, I probably don't need to check. And these are the emails that I definitely do need to check. So, I mean, it was, uh, it got pretty, it got pretty crazy. Um, and I think, um, you know, the, one of the challenges is that not only is that not good for your health, but realistically speaking, I mean, you know, the clients are getting shortchanged, right? In order for you to be able to fully serve your clients, you need to be healthy and you need to have a reasonable um, amount of bandwidth dedicated to them. Otherwise, what's going to happen is you're always shuffling in and out. You know, one week you're giving one client attention, the next week a different client, and then you're never really able to give uh, you know, your, your select few clients, the, the amount of attention that they need, you're basically saying, oh, you know, this is a 300K deal. So I got to make sure I prioritize these guys more than, you know, this 50K deal. Whereas I didn't think like that to me, you know, I, I get the difference that, you know, one's more complex than the other, but to me, every client is an important client and I want all of them to be successful. You know, if my name is tied to it, then I want to make sure that uh, they have good things to say, they have a good experience and they're successful because I'm building not just uh, an engagement with this client, but the people yeah. there trust me, right? They're counting on me to get it done and I have good relationships with them. So I think that was the most challenging part was being able to juggle all of this, but still being able to, you know, um, have such little bandwidth and, you know, pull these all nighters. So you can imagine, right, Ozar, to your point, you have a, you have like, I had moments where, you know, I would always time it where I had one go live, you know, per yeah. month. But then, you know, the nature of this business is that one go live gets pushed, yep. you know, or another go live you gets pushed. What? Next thing you know, I have like, I think the craziest one I had was four go lives in one week. Oh, I had four go lives in one week. And that was like, I mean, at that point, I was like, do I sleep? Do I not sleep? I yeah. just didn't care. Yeah. I was like, that's yeah. it. You know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I just have to do my best, work with my teams to make sure everything gets done. And thankfully, I mean, it, it, it went pretty smoothly. Uh, for the most part, but I was very, very nervous because, you know, if, if two of those clients start, you know, raising the red flag, boom, you have to be all hands ready to help them. And I was like, you know, I don't know, I'm, you know, there's only one me. So uh, I had some pretty challenging times, but uh, I think that's, that's the thing is that finally finding that balance is difficult in consulting. Either you're slammed and you're working crazy hours, or on the other hand, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of working a little bit under and, um, and, you know, and, and then you're not being challenged enough. I think one thing that uh, we actually never do, which I think we should do, is define what it is that we do, right? I think for uh, we, we get into these discussions and we all assume that everyone knows what go live is. Everyone knows. What, I mean, consultant is a very vague word. The word I think everyone can be consultant in any specific field, but there is this, there is a particularity to IT consulting, right? So then I had um like I would try to define this, but yeah, definitely. And maybe Angelo, you can put this up at the beginning of the podcast or whatever, but I think just to try to define what it is that we do, right? Because again, it feels like, you know, it's very vague. I think if we're talking to consultants that I need some feel to get it, you know, these words just gonna resonate, but let me try to define what we do. So so we are consultants and this, we, do, we are IT consultants, which means, so the companies that hire us, they have a very critical technology challenge. They wanna, you know, they are facing a critical technology challenge, right? And that usually implies bringing on a new system. And when I'm saying system, I'm not saying like, you know, your new, uh, your new software for one small thing. I'm talking about changing the system that run the entire business, right? So this is all your financials. These are all your, your purchasing uh, stuff, your supply chain application. So this is really the backbone of every system. And they're unplugging from one software, put it into it and putting all that stuff into a new software, which means business can stop in those in that two in those two uh, phases right so this is super critical for them and they they're doing something that they've never done before so imagine the company that sells shoes right they're good at selling shoes they're good at doing their own things but when it comes to switching from one core it system to another everything is brand new for them so that's the environment which at which we operate right so that's where they come to us right we are the guys that have done this before, we've been able to switch other companies like that. So that's yeah. that's kind of the, the, the um, I would say the environment in which our jobs actually were invented or built. It's really high complexity, tough deadlines, and most mostly unknown environments, right? We don't know what's gonna happen with our client. Every client is different. There's never anything that repeats specifically. So yeah, that's kind of the environment in which I had and I have, you know, been trained. Uh, we've worked in that crazy environment, complex environment for a while. But yeah, that's kind of the job we do. It's not just, you know, 
changing password and someone calling the IT and say, IT, I need, I need a, new, a new user for this software is actually more technical and more complex than that, right? So I just want to quickly just, I don't know if that does the, does the job, but I had me want to add to that definition of what we do. Yeah, I mean, I think what we do is, is it's become very, uh, you know, um, it's not something that, you know, for example, um, there's so many different terms for it. You know, people call it business process uh, re-engineering or business process, you know, mapping. There's like, there's just so much that goes into it because not only do you need, and I think, you know, I don't think that, you know, I do, I have worked with people in the past that think accounting and finance knowledge is, is critical for this. I, I beg to differ in that I think that accounting and finance knowledge will make you better if you're like there's there's different facets of uh, of each implementation that you deal with. There's some areas where having a technical or technical a techno functional background would be more applicable, and uh, the, your, those problem solving skills will likely be better tailored for the for that engagement. On the other hand, there are instances where having a strong accounting and finance background would be applicable because you're probably dealing with things like you know, either acquisitions or you're dealing with uh, SOX compliance and IPOs and things like that, where, where it is applicable and beneficial to have. Um, I think that, you know, the, the, the problem becomes that not what, there's no one person. And I think, you know, this is something Ozar, you and I have discussed that has all of these things, right? Like if you, you you're not going to have one person that fully understands First of all, all the modules of NetSuite has both an accounting background, has a technical background where they can start doing SQL and scripting and, and, and JavaScript or whatever else that you need to do. And then at the same time, also be able to adapt and learn other systems like Salesforce and build integrations. So, like, I mean, if you knew someone like that, that person would be like a superstar and they would have like, you know, studied every single, every single area, right? Um, so I, I think... You know, what we do, I think, is specific to our different paths that we take. And I think that's the beauty of it, because you can come from uh, like you might be someone that was in the medical background, maybe managing a, um, a medical office. And then you, and you just saw NetSuite, you implemented it, you re really liked it and you had dove into that realm. Now you're an expert in this in this area where you help those types of companies uh, understand the best practices because you kind of live that life. At the same time, you have the same folks from, from the accounting side and so on and so forth. I think that's the beauty of it, you know, th is that, you know, we can wear multiple hats. Um, we're actually often required to be challenged and dive in and learn different things. I, I don't think I've ever gone into an implementation and not learned something new, right? Every single one, small or large, we've always had to do something new. Um, so I think that's really what, uh, uh, you know, one of the key things is being able to adapt to that, you know, having that... Um, quality to know that you're going to deal with uncertainty, um, but being confident enough to go in there and tackle that is, is I think, a, one of the most important qualities. Aside from that, I can guarantee you, you're going to be wearing lots of different hats and doing lots of different things because there's no single job description for one, you know, for one implementation. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think I confused Angela a little bit. Like, <laughs> I'm still there. No, no, no. Any time that I get to just sit quiet and you guys talk is a blessing to me. Let me tell you, I, I just, I love uh, watching you guys vibe off each other and hear you guys, you know, tell stories and kind of uh, talk about your guys' work because that's that's what this podcast is about. And um, you know, so yeah. first of all, I appreciate you defining for all our listeners uh, what exactly you guys do. Um, but I do want to add a disclaimer here. If you do not know what we do, and if you're not part of this space, then you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. This is for NetSuite consultants <laughs> and when everyone involved in the sphere. Of Net so if you don't know what you're talking about, uh, one, either this podcast is not for you, or two, you should join the Otakon yeah. community and learn about what we're talking about because I, I think yeah. it's very important that you understand what exactly we're trying to, yeah. to speak to. Yeah. Um, but but you, never know, secondly, you never know, Angelo. You never know, Angelo. Like it happens to me sometimes. I'm watching a video on YouTube that really talks to my domain of expertise, and two hours procrastination <laughs> later, I end up in a NetSuite podcast. <laughs> so you don't know. <laughs> sorry, sorry, cut you off. <laughs> no, no, no. I I know exactly what you're talking about. It's very much that uh, you know, up awake at three o'clock a.m. You're just listening to things, trying to keep you know music or something in the background. All of a sudden, you find yourself in the deepest, darkest parts of YouTube <laughs> that you didn't even know existed. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, but all I was going to say is that, Ahad, I appreciate you kind of talking about the different applications, whether it's, you know, technical, functional, and, and accounting. Um, 
Uh, I just remember it, it brings up for me a story. Uh, I was talking to, to Jackie Wong and I mean, mind you, Jackie Wong is, is a great consultant. I, I'm so glad that he works for us. I'm so glad of the work that he does. And uh, I was so happy to hear from him as part of the ODTV, OD blog initiative. Um, but as far as he was talking about, you know, all the different applications as well, he's like, you know, some people in the consultancy, some people in our community talk about, you know, accounting, some people talk about functional. And he yeah. was very much of the same mind. He was like, if we found one person who encompassed all of that, they would run the world of NetSuite. They'd be that one person. <laughs> and honestly, and, and what he said, what like really jogged my mind, he was just like, and I think that person can be someone that's part of the Cloud community. And I was like, well, well, why? You know? And he's like, because everyone like is coming together, they're sharing their expertise, they're sharing their knowledge. If one person was constantly in those conversations, <laughs> just absorbing all that information, it's very possible that they could learn all the different sides of NetSuite. And I, I, I just found that so, so incredibly fascinating. I find that so incredible, the fact that he would be the type to just be open to, to all those different applications. And hopefully, uh, I think he mentioned that he has plans on, on setting all the different types because he's very much from the, the accounting background, very much from the financial background. Um, and he wants to learn more, more technical expertise. So, so he appreciates everyone talking about all the technical stuff mm -hmm. and um, making sure that they, they bring in all the, the technical tools that they might have. So I, yeah, that, that was just a great point. And that's, I think that's very much the goal that we're trying to achieve here. You know, of, of course, it's difficult for everyone to own, like, you know, all aspects of NetSuite, even like IT, you have other systems as, uh, involved as well. I think one thing that I think I just, I don't know, I had this experience yesterday. So companies looking to hire NetSuite consultants or hire someone internally for the IT systems, and they put up these job descriptions, right? You have a ton of them on LinkedIn. They, they stay up there for, Two months, three months, no one applied for them, and now they start finding other other ways to uh, to address the need. Right, this job description, the way they write it down, you have like three full time job in there. Right, you have basically they're looking for someone that has an MBA degree, but that knows NetSuite in and out. They can also do some scripting and some JavaScript. And I mean, think think about it. even if that person exists, right, that has all this knowledge, there is no way that person will have enough bandwidth to deal with all the yeah. interactions you yeah. need to have all these, you know, for, for this job, right? You, you're gonna be interacting with, the, you find someone that's have a CPA or MBA or whatever, or is interacting with the CFOC on a daily basis just to get get that level of you know, understanding where, where the business is going. Then he also has to do a right. admin stuff. So talk with the users that have been stuck on this issue with NetSuite, helping you guys implement new modules. And he's also building additional code on the side. I'm like, think even if you find that, even that superstar exists, there's no way in one yeah. 24 hours a day that person can leverage all this expertise and to be effective. So I see the, yeah, well, so, yeah. No, I mean, sorry to cut you off. I mean, they can't be good at all of those things at the same time, right? And I mean, you want someone that uh, is able to focus on each area and just really drive it home. I mean, you want, if someone's really good at technical work, you want them to focus on, on that, you know, and if someone's really good at functional work, whether it's manufacturing, whether it's, uh, you know, accounting, you want them to kind of be an expert in that field. So then you also feel more confident. Like, I mean, I would, even as a client, I mean, you know, clients might be concerned, like, hey, do you really know all of this? Like, do you have background in all of but that, this? But that's, you know, because yeah. it's not feasible. But, but that's the job description they put up there. I don't know. I don't understand. It. Yeah. Me, I'm still trying to figure out what goes in the mind of HR when they write that job description. I'm, I don't know exactly if it's a lack of understanding of what this job is or just because they've been co copying the same templates over and over, they just don't think anymore. Yeah. So. I think there is a lack of understanding. I think, I mean, I, I actually think, for example, like my mom always asks me, she's like, what do you do? Like, she's like, I have to tell people what you do and I tell them you're a consultant, but I have no idea what you do. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like I can't even explain it to her, right? Cause she's like, you know, she's an immigrant. She doesn't have the best English or anything like that. But even if I try to explain to her, I'm like, mom, I take like, you know, business requirements and I map them to like, you know, an accounting software. And she's just like, you know, she, she thinks, she, you know, cause she's, she's used like a very simple, basic accounting software in the past. She's like, oh, I can do that. I'm like, all right. Like, hey, yeah, uh, sure. your mom should join the, the community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I always find that so funny because, and you know, a lot of people, it's just like, when I try to get into the weeds, it's so difficult for me to yeah. try to explain it. Yeah. Unless someone is from an IT or technical background or has the ERP implementations in the past. So I just kind of leave it at like, yeah, I'm just <laughs> a management consultant. <laughs> She's a consultant. I'm a consultant. And it's it. funny, that's the only one job when you tell, no one will ask you about it, right? You know, if, uh, first of all, if you say a doctor, it's easier. A doctor, you just leave it there. If you stay yeah, an yeah. engineer, they may ask you, oh, what type of engineer, what, you know, what company you work for? But once you're a consultant, 
they just kind of, you know, like they don't know exactly if they should ask you more. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, okay, all right, all right yeah. cool. <laughs> Unless it's another yeah, consultant, yeah, exactly. right? Then they might be like, oh, yeah, me too, you know? Yeah. Like my brother-in-law is a consultant at KPMG, so him and I are always talking about, you know, differences in terms of what I'm doing, what he does, because I'm always curious to know what, you know, how they, what kind of methodologies they follow at the big four and how they differ from what we do. And so we're, we're always having these interesting discussions, you know, talking about these types of subjects that are really interesting. But realistically, you know, um, something that he's mentioned to me is it's all, it, it comes out, all, uh, it's all about the people. If you can get the same people, right? Because I mean, what really makes up that skill set is the collective knowledge of those individuals, right? If we can get or harness this, that same collective knowledge of those same individuals that come from those backgrounds at a larger scale, essentially we can accomplish exactly what they're doing, if not more, because we bring even more differing perspectives into one community, right? Essentially that's what Ode Cloud is. So you would not be able to find a better solution anywhere else. I mean, imagine you being able to combine KPMG, Deloitte, and yeah, all the big yeah, four into yeah, one, one massive platform, right? That's kind of the goal that we're trying to achieve. And that's the big picture vision. So, I mean, um, it's, it's ambitious, but that's what we're, nice. that's what we're trying to yeah. tackle. Like Jackie, for example, definitely have this finance background, like other people in the, com in the community have like CPAs and stuff. I was in the meeting this morning with one of the guys as a CPA, right? And he's also kind of Netflix function, yeah. um, consultant. And the perspective you get from them is so unique, right? Like back then when I was working for Deloitte, I was part of the technology practice. So, you know, IT, tech, tech practice, right? So we have our own service lines, our own things, you know, we have our own community. But again, it's very tech fo focused, right? We don't have like accountants like hanging out in our building. Like, you know, they have the building for the, uh, you know, for the uh, advisory and accounting side, you know, the tax and other stuff. We have our technology building, yeah. then they have our own building for management consultants. You know, it's like everyone has their own thing going on, but here, technically, you know, we have management consultants hanging out with CPA uh, finance folks. You have the more developers also hanging out. So it creates a very interesting dynamic when you have so many perspectives mixing one same group and you see things differently. You don't, you don't pay attention to, you know, you, you kind of see where some issues may be if you don't, you know, if you didn't have those people in that discussion, they highlight things or also think about this, right? If this company is being acquired, here is one thing that you should pay attention to in two or three months that, that will come up. I wouldn't have guessed any of that if that person didn't have that finance background that tell me, hey, this is an acquisition, so they're gonna have to deal with this issue going forward. So make sure you, as you build your proposal, make sure you kind of make, you know, highlight the fact that this service will be performed this way because of that fact you guys have been acquired. I'm like, dude, like, I don't even have the language for that. <laughs> so I say, okay, can you just write this down for me? And I can just put it in the proposal so I know that that's there. But yeah, that came up in a random discussion, talking with someone that has a CPA and him talking me through the acquisition process of my client in the next, you know, in the next few, few weeks or so, right? So that's the kind of thing, things I think Jackie was mentioning is really being able to be a super smart without having to go to all these different um, I would say learning too much about all these subjects, but just talking with people, they teach you stuff in every conversation for sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, I guess that brings me back into the conversation. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stop falling asleep, no, no, Andrew. No. I know it's Friday. It's been no, a tough I, day. I, I, I'm not falling asleep. I am drinking a little bit, but no, no, no. I'm not, not, not falling asleep. Um, I, I, like I said, uh, this goes back uh, way, way back, you know, when, when I was doing this stuff uh, with sports. Um, everyone always used to rely on me to, to kind of lead the conversation, to start the conversation. Everyone was like, oh, you know, Angelo's so great. A Angelo will lead the conversation. A a Angelo talks about all, all this stuff. And, uh, you know, everyone likes to la uh, label me uh, generally as a storyteller. Um, but uh, the thing I like to tell people is that you can't be a storyteller if you're talking all the time. You have to be the one listening, and that's where the best stories come from. Um, so just absorbing this information and, and just kind of staying quiet and allowing you guys to tell your stories and, and kind of vibe off each other. I mean, this is where all, all the best content comes from. Um, so I definitely always want to give you guys the opportunity to do so without any interruption. And uh, whenever you guys uh, feel the need for, for me to step back in, I, I step back yeah, in. But, but... Uh, as far as it goes right now, I'm perfectly fine. No, so, you guys uh, keep, uh, keep talking. You know, I'll, I'll keep drinking. So you know how the hook yet, Angela. <laughs> so I do want to hear uh -huh. from you. I know we you know we talk about Netflix community and stuff, but I mean, this is not, I mean, the community we have is mostly work oriented, but I've been part of other communities, not really about work. I've been part of swing dancing community, you know, for those who know what that is, you know, it's like, uh, you know, um, you know, that's pretty fun. But uh, yeah, I was part of the swing dancing community, 
only fun, no work related. So you have been part of basketball committees, Angelo. So, <laughs> so I guess I think that's the first time we spoke. I think that's why I actually wanted to work with you because I know that something in those super fan communities, you know, it could be, you know, for me, it was swing dancing for a long time. I, I did competition and all that stuff. There's something in those communities that no one, I mean, I can't really explain what it is, but it is interesting to see how they can be applied to a professional community. So maybe you, mm -hmm. from your perspective, running a, running a basketball community, what are the best mm -hmm. things you've learned in that, in that like you have, you've enjoyed actually from that, from those communities? Um, first of all, great question. Um, as far as what I've learned from those communities, um, I believe it's, uh, well, I mean, when you're trying to apply something from a super fan sports yeah. community into a professional community, mm -hmm. it, it's very difficult. Um, it, it's very, it's very difficult trying to find exactly that one universal thing that everyone has in common. Um, and I think that's really what the basis of any community really is. Right. Um, as far as the sports community goes, uh, uh, more, more specifically, the basketball community, and even more specifically, the Warriors community. Yeah. I mean, everyone <laughs> loved the Golden State Warriors. Everyone loved uh, basketball. So it was very easy to kind of discuss with each other um, all the different opinions that, that were there. And the thing with the basketball community, as well as any sports community, I'm sure, is that everyone does not care about your feelings. Yeah. They only care about their own particular opinion and the way that they see it. And I think, honestly, that's the beauty of, of sports. I think that's the beauty of anything that's, that's competitive or, or um, any kind of hobby. Um, I think everyone has their own different uh, perspectives. And I think it's, it's great that the Internet gives everyone an avenue for people to share those kinds of things. But, of course, with sports, people can take it a little too far and, and things get kind of out of hand. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's very much uh, a love for a team, a love for a game. Um, and, and my question going into this, uh, when you asked me, oh, sorry, when, when Alex brought me in, was uh, what do these people love? <laughs> well, what's that one thing that we, we can all relate to, that one thing that we can all discuss? And uh, as we began to have our discussions on how to go about creating the content, I think it was very important that we established uh, that we wanted to be more than just a NetSuite content creator. We wanted to to also discuss what these people were doing outside of work uh, because uh, much like how I talk to people about celebrities, everyone's always like, oh, how's, how's Steph Curry? How's, how's Clay Thompson? These people are just people. I think we forget that sometimes. I think, you know, we forget that basketball is their job. And I think it, the same applies for, for NetSuite consultants everywhere. And I think that's important for also clients to understand is that when clients are putting, or especially HR people, you see them all trying to put all those different job descriptions. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to do this. We forget sometimes that these people are human and that they do not have the bandwidth uh, to do most of these things. So we, we need to very much um, pinpoint one particular thing that we need and one thing that they need to do or, you know, um, something for a team to do. Um, so bringing that in to, uh, into what we wanted to do for ODTV and OD blog. Uh, again, it was very important that we establish, you know, that these people are just people. These people are our family people. These people have, have different hobbies that they want to enjoy as well. And the reason why none of these people or some of these people have ventured away from corporate. And I think that's another point that, that we found was a universal, um, you know, uh, meshing, uh, between everyone in the community is that they wanted more work-life balance. They wanted uh, yeah. more time away from just doing corporate things. Um, so talking about that with the community and making sure that we tell the stories has always been the most important part um, about the ODTV community for me. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. The one point that you actually just spoke about that's very interesting, like communities, they, they have debates, right? You know, it's not always clean. Like, for example, if I was part of the um, Blue Man Hoop community and I'm a super fan of Stephen Curry, the other guy is super fan of Clay Thompson. There was a game once grew up and, you know, you know they would be like, this stuff would go on forever. And they would be like, you know, they'll, they'll argue the fact that Clay Thompson was the best in this game versus uh, Stephen Curry. And that stuff would be fly. It would be, it would be very, like, you know, they would be passionate about that discussion, right? And one thing that one yeah. thing that I actually wanted to, you know, like if you think of our community or our platform as professionals, LinkedIn. Before I mm -hmm. post a message on LinkedIn, honestly, I read that message for five hours, figuring out, okay, first the grammar is that correct? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, am I gonna offend someone by saying this? 
uh, is there, you know, like, honestly, it takes me forever to post on, on LinkedIn because there is all these, you know, right now, it's, it's almost like me, myself, in, being afraid to be judged, right? Is my question dumb, right? Like, am I going to mm. make me full of myself? So LinkedIn for me is like once I have it, something that's really, you know, well designed, I ask Angelo to read it five times, make sure there's no, there's no grammar errors or anything like that. But again, you can, you can be really judged by what you say and people can take things the wrong way. It can really go, you know, really bad for you. I think one of the things I wanted for this community is to have that feeling of, you know, the basketball community, right? There's no, there's no bad question. It may sound dumb from someone that's working for a consultant like a big four to ask that question. And they'll make him feel bad for asking that question. Like that question, mm-hmm. that question is dumb. Why do you put that question in an open forum within the company? That's what it would do to you. But I wanted this community to not have that. Ask the question, say, yeah, I, I don't agree with this solution. It's not, it's not the best one. Or I, I, right. this weekend I went surfing, uh, it was great. Uh, and that, that's it, I had right. nothing else to say about that. But I just want to say, hey guys, it was nice surfing this weekend. That's why I think that's one, one of the things that I wanted to use because I could have brought in someone from my, you know, from our group, like consultant and say, hey, we need to have this ODTV stuff, help us run it. I wanted someone that was so far away from the technical aspects of what we do, because <laughs> I know that to build a community that's really vibrant, there has to be, there has to be freedom in how you communicate. There has to be no judgmental, you know, environment. They have to be free to speak as they want to speak and also that caring too much about grammar and structure mm-hmm. of sentence. I mean, they have to be po- polite for sure. We all like, you know, it's a, diver- it's a very diverse community, right? So again, I think we're all adults, right? So we know how to communicate mm-hmm. in that sense. But again, like in the domain I come from, like asking stupid questions can basically cost you your next promotion because your, your, your CEO or your whatever, your senior right. manager sees you asking those questions. Like, hey, what's up? You shouldn't be asking those questions when the customer can actually see you asking them. Here in our community, our customers are very much part of the entire forum we have, right? Because customers have access to our forum. They see us asking questions to, to each other. And I want that to be always free. Like, you shouldn't be afraid to ask a question that's a junior NetSuite consultant would ask. Great, you didn't know. There's so many things I don't know myself. And now I think that's what's happening. People are encouraging other people to ask questions. Responses are always nice. People get on calls to help other. I think that's one thing I really want to keep going. If you ever see us being afraid to ask a question in the forum and us being too polite, us being too professional, please, Angelo, tell us, hey, guys, can we, can we loosen up a little bit? <laughs> can we make our discussions a little more less about NetSuite and just maybe ask more questions about, hey, how was your weekend, right? Something like that. Right. No, I, I appreciate that open invites. And I, I feel like as if I, I need to do a better job at doing that um, as far as the community goes, because um, I, I think... Going back to your question um, and kind of pinpointing exactly what I learned um, from being part of those four communities is that uh, kind of in the same vein as what you were saying, uh, I believe it, it's very important that we come into many conversations and, and forums and especially internet forums where you cannot see these people's faces. You do not know their story. I, I think it's very important that we, we come into these, these things with no judgment. And I try to live my life in the same the same way. Like I try to kind of approach things with with no judgment. Whatever you want to say, whoever you might be, tell me who you are, tell me your story, and you know from there we can move forward. But before that, I, I try to pass no judgments. I, I do my absolute best to to kind of be open to those types of things. And I think it's very important that the rest of the community becomes um, very open to those things. But the fact of the matter is that uh, much like something I'm very guilty of, uh, you know, we go into this thing with our, our corporate hats on, yeah. we feel like we need to be professional, and uh, I just remember, you know, uh, oh, sorry, not, um, conversation you and I had a while back uh, when you brought up um, the different ways to do the referral tiers, yeah. and I was like, well, tell me about how this is actually a referral, and you were like, you don't need to be so polite, <laughs> if it's a bad idea, you know, just tell me, you know, yeah. just like... You know, I wanted to see what you would say. You know, I wanted to be open to, to what you, you said. And if we can find something in your response where we can kind of flip the perspective mm-hmm. and turn that into a referral tier, then, you know, then we strike gold, mm-hmm. right? Um, but until we have that conversation, and, like, we can't do that. And if I just completely rule it out, I'm no, like, no, so, that's, so, that's not even a referral. So let's, let's give it a little background to Hadi. I probably missed that point about the referral. So, I mean, I did something on the referral page that was completely dumb because it wasn't a referral. Anyways, I did something that, that that sucked. It wasn't bad. It wasn't like I did something specifically wrong. It was just like I was going one direction that wasn't the right one. So Angela came back, you know, 
seeing that I was going the wrong direction, came back with a very nice written email. That you probably spent five minutes too long to think about before sending that out to tell me, hey, also, you're not going the right direction here. <laughs> you're going the opposite way. Oh, this, is the, this is the way to go. And he, he sent me that, he sent that to me. I was like, hey, Angela, you don't need to be so polite. Just tell me, hey, also, this sucks. You know? and, I, and I'll do it again. <laughs> I'll go back and fix it and bring it back for review and you tell me, okay, it's better now. Yeah. And that was, that was the feedback I gave him. Like, you don't have to be so polite. I mean, I think that's the environment I want to foster here is that, you know, again, being, being super polite is good, but again, you know, it's okay, it's okay to say, okay, oh, sorry, I think you spent too much time on this stuff, but it's not really good. <laughs> you know, just, you know, I mm. think just beyond you and I, I think this is what the community that I yeah. see, you know, if I, well, I had did a presentation, you know, and he's asking for feedback, right? I want him to get the feedback that he can use, right? Hey, I had, I think, you know, you did yeah. well, but this is what I'm going to tell you for next time do this, do this, do that, or this point wasn't really clear for the client. I want that feedback to be really kind of, you know, don't, don't be shy to say, hey, I had this, this co-founder of OD Cloud, I can't really tell him that he, he did this wrong. You know, I want people to be free to give you feedback that you actually need to, to improve, right? So that's right. really, I think, the key thing, right? If someone needs to hear something that's really important for him to hear, find the best way to tell him, but really don't, don't, don't hold back by politeness of, you know, Figure out the best place to tell to him that that information. Yeah, do care about making sure you have that info. He has that information, right? Just don't be afraid. Yeah, right. We're all adults. Yeah, here. and I think I think we should we should have the confidence as well to speak up and say something, right? Like I find that there's a lot of companies out there where you're worried that you might be seen in a different light, right? Or you know the whole idea that. Um, there is such a thing as a, as a stupid question or whatever else. I mean, different people come from different backgrounds and some may have more experience than others. And I don't think it's fair to discount someone's knowledge or ability simply by saying, oh, this person's asking a stupid question. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if they're trying to do, if they're trying to learn, you know, you uh, shutting them down at that stage are actually stifling their learning, no matter how much experience they have or what background they come from, right? We have people, you know, in the Odicloud community that come from, you know, all sorts of different backgrounds, right? So we have to be very cognizant of that and we should be able to uh, vocally express, you know, when something uh, we, we agree or disagree with without fearing backlash. At the same time, we should, you know, to, to foster a collaborative community, we need to be able to have the confidence to ask a question, even if it seems like a simple question without worrying about that, oh my God, you know, what if, you know, what if the question that I'm asking people start thinking of me as like, oh, this person doesn't know much. I can't believe they're asking this question. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've personally had experience with this firsthand where I've been, uh, you know, kind of seen in a different light because of asking certain questions, but, or because of bringing up my opinion. Uh, but I've like tr tried my best to do, to at least bring it up, you know, whenever I cared about something, I tried to bring it up. Um, and, um, you know, just being in that position in the past, I just kind of know how, how it feels. And I wouldn't want anyone else to uh, kind of go through that. So, um, I mean, I, that's not something that I see, you know, as part of the Oda Cloud community. So I'm really grateful for that. But I do think that, you know, being able to speak up and, and disagree with something is an important quality to have, not just for any consultant, but just for anyone. Because, uh, you know, there's a reason why companies like Google and these other companies promote, like, you know, sessions where they have people that, you know, come up with ideas. You, you know, you don't think that's half those ideas, probably like 80% of those ideas are garbage. Come on. <laughs> They're probably like not feasible, right? But they still encourage that because they know that 10 or 20% could have like a hidden gem in there that could, you know, transform everything. So they know majority of the stuff they're going to hear is not going to be applicable. Uh, but once that hidden gem hits, because you have all these bright minds that are part of the community uh, or that are part of your, uh, you know, um, your organization, I think it's very important uh, to encourage that type of uh, creativity. Uh, definitely. So, yeah, so, Angela, I think this is, I mean, honestly, when I was, when I met you the first time, I already had this in mind that we're going to build a nice community. It's going to be very professional. But I, I knew that, you know, making LinkedIn, you know, become a little bit more interesting it takes someone from outside with, with kind of fan community experience, right? And to, you know, kind of just inspire us to, to relax a little bit, you know? It's okay, we're all NetSuite experts, great, but, you know, we're also human being in the, in, in the first place, right? So that's definitely one thing I want to keep always in mind as we build this community, as we, as we grow. It is, it is relaxed. It's, it's okay to ask questions, <laughs> as I just mentioned. It's okay to be, you know, to be human, right? Basically, this is not LinkedIn, you know, like, like, you, you wouldn't have to read your post like 25 times before posting it, right? <laughs> so, so, yeah. 
You know, uh, one of the things I love about um, the way I went about ODTV is uh, definitely separating everything into snippets. Uh, because let me tell you, the some of the stuff that I've heard uh, in full videos have been very professional. And there's always this one point during interviews where I have to tell them, uh, this isn't a professional yeah. interview. <laughs> like, you know, I'll be like, so what do you like to do for fun? What, what are your hobbies? And some people, I, I kid you not, have been like, uh, I, I love NetSuite, like, I love to work, and I'm like, that's not a hobby, dude, like, like, be real with me, like, just, just let, let your hair down, just, like, you know, that's just, just be, be, be here in the moment, you know, um, yeah. so the fact of the matter is that we still have a lot of work to do, I feel, uh, especially on my part, to kind of uh, inspire people to, to be a little less professional, and to kind of embrace the, the idea that we are more than just a uh, professional NetSuite community, that we are very much a community of people that are trying to connect on a much more profound level um, other than the work. Um, yeah, and I can't wait till COVID is over so we can start having yeah. some more yes. local yeah, sure. some additional pockets, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the va- we're getting vaccinated, fingers yeah. crossed, you know, yeah. in the near future, hopefully yeah. we can get some more events going. And I mean, we have a lot in Toronto, so we yeah. have to start, you know, so- setting so I had I had you, you missed the first the first phase of what they call like two years ago we're having the music sessions uh, in the co-working space yeah. so we used to host like music uh, um, like um, unplugged music sessions here yeah. yeah I actually spoke to Westfield uh, the manager of marketing at Westfield oh, we, nice. last time we did this we didn't have a specific budget but because they just wanted to bring people like people back to the mall they actually have a budget yeah. a budget this year for unplug X. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, because so because that's one of the biggest challenge they have right now is you bring people back to the mall, right? So they saw okay, yeah, they yeah, basically yeah. went to their list like like what oh, yeah wow. what activities were actually cool in the past year in the mall that happened that people actually hosted in the in the, in the mall and unplug us was was in that list of activities that actually brought people into the mall, and they said you know what that's we're amazing. gonna give some money to these folks once COVID is over. Let them host music sessions, bring musicians, bring guests into the space. So I'll probably have to fly you guys from Toronto to San Francisco. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Figure it out. But yeah, definitely. I definitely got to take advantage of at least a couple yeah, of those. Yeah. So yeah, but definitely, you know, meetups in every cities that we are in once COVID, you know, hopefully goes over yeah. soon. I think that would be very interesting to see people connecting in person and finally get to build up like more stronger like relationships uh, in those cities for sure. For sure. So. Yeah, so, good, uh, uh, we have like five five minutes left here. Um, so whatever you guys want to talk about to, to wrap up, I think Unplug X is is a great topic to, to kind of talk about, or any kind of forms of entertainment that you guys want to talk about. Like, uh, I think I, what I have planned for today, I want to catch up on some of the Marvel stuff, some of the Disney Plus stuff. I've been watching uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, right before oh. this, I, I was eating uh, some cacio e pepe uh, raviolis. I love cacio e pepe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, and it kind of brings me back to some of the Netflix stuff that I watch. I love watching like Chef's Table. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of that. Yep, um, I, I like, I very much watch that when I'm like, all the creative juices are like gone. And I like, I need to get a creative jump start. And I'm like watching something with like, for example, um, you know, the, the first episode, which I, I absolutely fell in love with, uh, Massimo Botoro, who owns, um, the Michelin star, uh, Astoria Francescana okay. in Modena, Italy. And, you know, he was talking about, like, how uh, Modena had an earthquake and then, you know, all their Parmesan was gone. Yeah. Or, or, or it, it, like, the, co- the company had to shut down because, uh, you know, the earthquake caused all the, the Parmesan to go bad. And everyone's like, we, we need to get this out. And he was like, oh, I'll do a risotto cacio e pepe recipe. And I send it out to all the other Michelin star restaurants and then we'll, we'll take care of that. And everyone started doing cacio e pepe restaurants, uh, uh, risotto. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's a great awesome. show. Like, I definitely recommend uh, that you guys tune into that. And again, a like X, I can't yeah. wait to be a part of that. But I mean, what what entertainment stuff have have you guys been uh, been part of? What, what you guys interested? In? Uh, yeah, I mean uh, Netflix for I think for everyone right now. Uh, I've been watching like for, I mean Netflix is really pretty much entertainment for everyone these days. But uh, the Formula One series, I don't know if you've seen that. I don't know if. You, oh really? So I don't that? know if, because in Canada and US they don't have the same selections. That's, yeah, they don't, but they have okay, Formula One yeah. here. I saw the I saw the ad yeah. for it, but I haven't checked so that what, one out yet. How so what's it? great it's about this is that I used to follow Formula One yeah. like like in France, like on Sundays you have oh, the yeah. race. Yeah. You know, the, what's yeah. funny about Formula One is the beginning, like the, when the race starts. It's almost like a football game in America when the game starts and when the game ends. Like you no know, basketball yeah. is the same, right? So when like when the first the first the first lap is fun, then you wait yeah. to the yeah. five last laps. 
in between just a bunch of cars just going in circles right yeah so <laughs> so, so so what's funny about this show is that they actually give you just that they give you the starting of the race the end of the race and a little bit of drama <laughs> in the middle like going through these uh driver's lives the that stories so they actually make it like condensed you talk about the driver's lives and stuff like that the drama that goes into moving from one team to the other and they show you like the yeah. first five minutes of the race the last five minutes of the race perfect that's all you need because formula one does so, go for a while like two hours just like i get it no <laughs> actually when i was in austin uh we um, myself and a close uh, friend of mine um he's he's based out of texas yeah. too um him and i went to uh this place where lewis hamilton was actually yeah, visiting because yeah. they do have the yeah. f1 races down yeah. there so we actually got to meet him <laughs> you know we didn't have time to take a picture or anything because he was kind of like on his way out we actually got to yeah. meet him and uh, and it was it was really interesting because um, you know the whole team was there and everyone was there because of the F one races, yeah. uh, and it was it was it was a it was a crazy time. But uh, yeah, definitely a huge yeah, fan. A and um, I wasn't really into F one racing like as a kid or mm. anything like that. I mean, you know, growing up in mostly in U S. and Canada, F one isn't re- like in Canada maybe a little bit yeah. more than U S. But in U S., yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, it's it's even even when you think about football, right? You think American football, NFL, right? You're not thinking about yeah. uh, World Cup or yeah, anything like right. that. So all of that stuff came a little bit later for me, but, uh, but it is absolutely fascinating. Like I love cars in general, but seeing, um, the formula one, you know, learning when you actually like dive into and learn about everything, you know, like G force and everything that's associated yeah. with it. And like, you know, how fast these cars are going. It's pretty intense. It's it's pretty intense. Have, like, like Monaco, for example, is all like, you know, concrete walls all around the cities. And these yeah. guys are going like, like 200 miles per hour. You know, in, into those wall. I mean, in those in those streets, right? It's so, crazy. It's crazy. so yeah, check it out. Definitely, yeah. it's a good it's a good I series. I've, I've been enjoying it.